This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every single fantasy relevant player covered in week two, right here. The show for the true sickos, Hayden Winks, game by game preview. Man, oh man bunch of content this week we put it all into a nice little package here today uh, i can't wait to talk about injuries defenses quarterbacks offenses the whole nine yards how about you all of it and i like the friday shows because like this oh. morning having you know the injury reports is kind of helpful <laughs> here's the one thing i'm gonna make one complaint about the fantasy football industry right now all of the preview shows are being released earlier and earlier in the week we're doing them on like tuesdays and wednesdays now That's true First looks. We First don't know looks. anything. You, We don't know anything yet. Like no. the later on. So if you guys tune in on these Friday shows and tune in on Saturday and the numbers don't fall off a cliff, maybe we can actually have this and have useful information that we can actually listen to one preview show and it be later in the week. But we actually have all the information we're looking for. Yeah, Hayden's about to pitch me on a 11 p.m. Saturday night show, right? No. When the real time we go through Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport's tweets. That's what we're going to do. We do have a Sunday morning show at uh, <laughs> about 1030 Eastern. We do, we do. Uh, before we get into these games, again, as Hayden outlined, we do have a live call-in, start-sit show. Again, we take your voicemails in the chat. It was electric last week. Amazing. Almost a 1,000 concurrent viewers. You all are answering each other's questions in the chat like you do in the comments down below on each and every video. And we go through, I don't know, like 200 questions during that hour, hour and a half. We also went through Hayden's rankings and tiers. Shout out Mike Williams. Big call there last night. Anyways, here we go. As you know, we go through the one, one o'clock, four o'clock, and then three primetime games this week. And we start off in New Orleans. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, total of 44 in this game with the Bucs as two and a half point favorites. Hayden, the history of Tom Brady against the Saints as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, not his usual fantastic great self. Brady has finished as the quarterback 13, quarterback 31, quarterback five and quarterback 31 again in his last four contests. So with you, when coming up with your fantasy football lineups or getting in the pick'em lobby, how much do you include like that history against this team when projecting for this game? I use it somewhat, but not like I'm not looking at the specific history of the game. Like Vegas, for example, only has the bucks projected for 23.5 points. And like that's probably factoring in the Saints defense to an extent, but I will note all of those games came with Malcolm Jenkins, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, yep. Marcus Williams. Those are their safeties, and they haven't really replaced them with like the elite players. I don't think the Saints defense is going to be as good. Now, there are some issues on the Bucks end here. I, I'm Chris Godwin's not going to play, but the rest of them, Mike Evans, Julio, they're all going to be DNPs on every Wednesday practice, and they're going to suit up. What who's not going to be suiting up possibly is Donovan Smith, their left tackle, didn't practice all week with an elbow injury. Tristan Wirfs is playing through uh, an abdominal injury. He was limited all week. They were uh, 30th in PFF's run blocking grade last week, and their entire interior offensive line is either retired or injured too. So this is like this is a very it's, it's bad a very different, line. but it's also a very different matchup as you outlined in the last four contests, right? When they're zero and four straight up uh, and against the spread. So 
I get it with the offensive line from what you're saying. I also get it from the defensive back group with the with the New Orleans Saints. But man, I mean, the Saints last week, they might not be the same, not even just in the back end, but up front too. They were dead yeah. last in pressure rate. They're old. Rate of hits on the quarterback in week one. That was against the Atlanta Falcons. The right. Atlanta Falcons offensive line, which might be like marginally better than it was last season. Now, if you're not going to get home with four and you have to send an extra person, which isn't really exactly what Dennis Allen wants to do, then you might be screwed here against Tom. Against Tom, who... His still his time to throw at two and a half seconds. That was the third quickest in week one. And his air yards per attempt at 10.7 was second highest. So he's still getting the ball out super quick and still being hyper aggressive down the field too. Yep. Uh, they, I, I think they're going to move the ball. I'm not, I'm not concerned about Tom Brady there. Like you said that he's so smart. He's going to get the rid of the ball. And I think they can take deep shots like the Mar- Marshall Lattimore stuff. It's much better to be guarding Mike Evans one-on-one again in man coverage. When you have elite safeties behind you, that's not the right. case this time around. Um, one thing I am looking for is the neutral pass rates. And I, there's a couple of quotes from Todd Bowles saying that they want to be multiple. They want to be balanced. I'm just curious, just because the, the bucks were 28th in neutral pass rate last week. I want to see if that's a trend or if that was a one game thing. I think what's going to happen is they're going to be very game plan specific with the bucks because they can win the ball or win games while rushing. Leonard Fournette looked awesome. Even on yep. tape, like fat Lenny still can move pretty well and very hard to tackle. And then obviously they can pass the ball like nobody else. So, I think pretty game game plan specific here, but I'm basically throwing away the the Tom Brady splits because same. I don't think this this the, the the roster for the Saints is just not the same. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I will say though, Marshawn Lattimore against Mike Evans is still the matchup that it's been these last few years, and he always plays Mike Evans really well because like his areas where he wins matchup where Mike Evans wins as well. Big Julio Jones game. He was this close to being my Benji of the week, to be honest with you. I was like, thinking about him too. Yeah. He, he was, I think, the third highest in terms of his A dot this past weekend. He's their vertical playmaker, man. Yeah. And just getting that. And on top of this, how the Saints use their linebackers, we could see a number of Leonard Fournette receptions. We could see even Rashad White get some receptions as well. But I'm I'm pretty confident this is a different style of defense even with the offensive line concerns as we outlined where I think Brady and, and, and the Bucks do cover this contest. Okay. The, the, the other thing in favor for the Buccaneers is the Saints offense has also changed. This is not going to be the super run heavy right. balanced offense that we had when Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball. They were in three wide receiver sets almost every single play, and they're going to be going for it as well with Jameis Winston. I thought Chris Olave looked good in a couple of his targets. Jarvis Landry came out of nowhere. Michael Thomas looked not fully back, but looked definitely good enough. I think that they're going to have some juice on the other side of the ball, which is not going to be like the super uh, balanced offense approach. This is basically a three wide receiver set team now. If if you do want to, just jump back to the Bucks. look in the pick'em lobby this weekend. Uh, I do like the higher on... Julio Jones, 11.35 fantasy points. I know that's pretty high. I know that's pretty high. But I just think that with his projection being lower than Mike Evans, that would be the box I would tick of that group. And yeah, I mean, Jameis Winston was very different in the second half last week than he was in the first half. I mean, if you look in the fourth quarter, he was 13 of 16 for 213 yards with two touchdowns. We kind of got our typical Jameis Winston in the yes. first three quarters there. And uh the Bucks defense still flying around, and you even had Akeem Hicks up front. So we might get back-to-back pretty down Alvin Kamara performances in this contest. He is still battling through a rib injury. Mark Ingram was out there in two specific situations that caught my eye. The two-minute drill, and there was a two-point conversion where he was the wildcat. 
he Alvin Kamara only played 62% of the snaps. Maybe he's going to be in that same role because he's still dealing with that that injury. Maybe that they're just scaling back Alvin Kamara's workload this year. But either way, if Kamara misses, it's going to be Mark Ingram out there. So if you're in like a 14-team league or something like that, I think Mark Ingram is at least worth rostering. Uh, the offensive line is not going to be as dominant as it was previously, but I think that this offense is going to be able to at least move the ball to some degree. Dolphins at Ravens, total of 44 and a half in this game. Ravens are favored at home, three and a half points. Okay, we'll get to the news and notes in a little bit, but I want to pitch this and drive the narrative here. When these two teams met last year in week 10, the Dolphins absolutely overloaded Lamar Jackson with pressure. It was all that zero blitz stuff. And Lamar last season, as we know, with all so many offensive line issues, just couldn't handle it. I mean, it was a career high 60% of his dropbacks. He was blitzed last year. Now, I know it's a new coaching staff in Miami, but not defensively. It's the same exact one. So do you think with the changes that we have seen on the Ravens end, granted, there are still some injuries there, that the same success can be had by the Dolphins? Or is this, again, we turn the new page to 2022 and see something different out of this Ravens offense? I think they're going to blitz a lot. I mean, the Dolphins blitzed Mac Jones uh, quite a bit uh, as well here. 33% last week. Yeah, so I, I would not be surprised if this is tons and tons of blitzes. Uh, Ronnie Stanley is coming back from injuries, but he's still not. Uh, he's practicing, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing. His fill-in towards Achilles out there. They're switching Patrick McCarry from like a in. He was like an interior player. Then he went to right tackle. Now he's going to be playing left tackle this week. But at the same exact time, the Dolphins also have some injuries. Byron Jones, their number two corner, he's not going to be playing. Um, I'm expecting Rashad Bateman to run more routes last week when they were uh, turned to be uh, running the ball late in the game because the Jets couldn't score at all. Demarcus Robinson was getting in there for that for that one wide receiver set snaps. In a closer game, the point spread's uh, only at three and a half right now. I think Rashad Bateman's going to get more run here. Not the cleanest matchup against Xavier Howard, but uh, I think that the Ravens are going to have to pass the ball because the running backs are still injured. The Ravens' secondary is really bad, and even last week, they were second in neutral pass rate. So I think Bateman, Andrews, Lamar Jackson, even against the Blitz and stuff, I think they'll have some opportunities. I actually want to focus on Lamar Jackson, what he showed in week one against the Jets last week. A Jets defensive line and defense that actually had some good moments, but then Lamar really took advantage of them in the deeper half in terms of miscommunications. I mean, he now leads after one week, the NFL in 20 plus yard attempts. He had eight in week one on just 30 attempts. He had some pulled up here from our boy Weaves who cuts clips for us. Mark Andrews had two targets, 20 plus yards. Rashad Bateman had two targets at 20 plus yards. Devin Duvernay had two. Tylen Wallace had one. Demarcus Robinson had one. Um, What you can see from a bunch of these early on is that the front side concepts are like Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, and Devin Duvernay. And then you have Rashad Bateman as the ex-isolated wide receiver on the backside, which is great. Uh, I think Rashad Bateman is going to need to do his job and like really win on that isolated role in the backside for them to um, have a great offense. And I think he can, man. Like we saw nearly another touchdown last week. We also saw a 50 plus yarder that he scored. Um, it's not necessarily going to be easy because again, the Dolphins defensive staff has been with this unit for quite a long time. They've invested so much over the years when Brian Flores was coach into that defensive back room. Um, again, I think it kind of helps them that with the offensive line injuries, even they have now, that's what happened last year too. And because of that, your backups had to become starters. You get a lot of starting experience because of it. And I just think the, the Ravens are going to have some cover dogs here and cover that two and a half points. On to the Dolphins. They also have some injuries uh, up front. 
right tackle Austin Jackson, who's I mean a USC alum. Let's put some respect on his name, yeah, but has not shit. been very good. He's not been very good. <laughs> he's on injured reserve. The bigger question is left tackle Teron Armstead. He's questionable. DNP limited practices. Got a toe injury. Too early to tell. The offense. It was. I went back and watched it again to make sure my eyes weren't deceiving me. It's all play action. It's like forty six percent of yeah. dropbacks were play action. Uh, the big benefit here is the Ravens. They are missing Marlon Humphrey huge. potential. He he went out in the middle of the week with a groin injury. Didn't practice today. Uh, they number two corner towards uh, Achilles or ACL. I think it was his ACL. His villain. He hasn't practiced all this week. Lyndon Stevens. Yep. Uh, Brandon Stevens. Marcus Peters comes in. He's returning. He was practicing in full, but he missed last week coming off of his ACL. We're dealing with the, the messed up secondary again. Might here. have and, one corner out there, like literally yeah. one that has starting experience or is expected to start. It, it, that's a big deal when yes. we we were critical of the passing game for the Dolphins last week, but we were critical of the quarterback elevating everyone or making the ceiling higher. We're not necessarily critical in how Mike McDaniel coached around his quarterback and got Tyreek Hill involved and got Jalen Waddell involved. Like we trust that element of this Dolphins team. And with the injuries and deficiencies at cornerback, that can be exploited even more. Yeah. Tua just has to throw the ball downfield. <laughs> like, He's not. We'll, we'll see He's it. not going to. It's an extension of the running game. In fact, I want to bring this up. Both running games last week absolutely sucked. Like Chase Edmonds had the least rushing yards over expected last last week. He lost the most yardage in the league. Um, and then the 63 yards by Baltimore in week one were their fewest in a game with Lamar Jackson as a starting quarterback. Only 17 rushing yards by Lamar Jackson himself. That's a courtesy of, of Lord Reeves. That's incredible stuff for two organizations, especially the Ravens, that have invested so much at the running back position recently. Yeah, we still don't know who's going to be the goal line back there. And Raheem Mostert got the two-minute drill, which, I mean, if you're going to draw up how this running back rotation was going to play out, Raheem Mostert getting the two-minute drill over Chase Edmonds is quite the shock. So this running back situation is all out of control. This is going to be, I think, a sloppy game for the most part. It's lots yeah. of injuries. Yeah, R Ravens' defensive line played extremely well yep. last week. And I know they just have, like, two active edge rushers on the roster. But with how Miami and Toronto Armstead's missed some practice this week, uh, that could be the big difference, especially with Tua and the decisions that he made and the mistakes that he made. And if he doesn't have two feet firmly in the ground, that pool noodle arm comes out, you know? Uh, I do think Mike McDaniel might be the best coach already in, in this game, but oh. we'll see. <laughs> the worst take of the podcast early. Got it out I just early. loved how they got Tyreek so involved in every single phase, despite what the quarterback put out there. There's there's a long way to go. I do I'll think the Ravens that. cover that that three and a half. Okay. Next up, Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville Jaguars. This one PM slate, not that great. So news and notes: Michael Pittman is coming off a DNP on Thursday. I don't think we have any news here on Friday with he's with how he stands. So the Colts and Matt Ryan. I mean, they were awful in the red zone last week. Uh, Michael Pittman was the one who had that red zone touchdown for them. What did you think of the Colts when you went back and watched them? Because I actually just rewatched those highlights this morning, and uh, I thought Matt Ryan would be a little better, to be perfectly honest with you. So did I. The The offensive line held up fine. It wasn't, like, awesome, but it was basically just Michael Pittman. Like, and it was a lot of just slants, outbreaking routes, and the rest of the wide receivers weren't doing much. There was a couple dropped uh, touchdown opportunities out there, and if Michael Pittman can't play, all of a sudden you're putting a lot of pressure on, like, Ashton Doolin got snaps. Like we're still seeing a Paris Campbell can play. Alec Pierce is in the concussion protocol went from DNP to limited. I think what could happen here is if Michael Pittman is out and he went 
I, I think got injured in practice and then didn't practice yesterday with a quad injury. I'm not sure if he's going to actually play. So make sure to have a backup plan with Michael Pittman. This could just be a bunch of targets to like Naeem Hines, you know, and yep. like really set this thing up with Jonathan Taylor. I just think that they're so limited, like Kylan Granson's playing more than Mo Ali Cox. There's a lot of like unproven uh, pass catchers out there. So this is going to probably be a really big running back game plan from the Colts. Yeah. What we do know is Jonathan Taylor looks exactly like he did last season. Insane. Big deal. And that might be, especially without Michael Pittman, if that's the case, that's where they get their explosives. I'm with you on Naeem Hines. With all the talk this offseason, I was expecting a little more usage from Naeem Hines. And then what we got last week when they did try some creative things, either in Wildcat or screens, it just got blown up. It got blown up by the Houston Texans. Um, they're favored by three and a half points on the road of 47. I thought Trayvon Walker had a really yes. good first week. Ooh. I mean, especially when he rushed off the left end, he was you know, switching it up and, and playing on that side too. And then that interception, hey, the length that they craved, it absolutely came yeah. into fruition. I will say they're either safety or slot corner 31 uh, just missed so many tackles in the yeah. open field. So if you can get like Naeem Hines against him, that might be the advantageous role to go to. Um, on the other end, Trevor Lawrence, that first half was pitiful. Like It was not good. Really, really pitiful. And you're talking to one of the biggest Trevor Lawrence fans out there, but this – you know, isn't something a new phenomenon from him. Like even at Clemson, you wanted three to four catches every single week back. And then in the second half, Hayden, he kind of made three or four really big time throws. I just don't know if we can really, really expect four straight quarters of perfect game from Trevor Lawrence at this stage in his career. Yeah, it's just going to be gradual improvements, you know? Like, the accuracy is still a problem. There's, like, most of his decision-making is good, and then there'll be, like, two or three decisions. You're like, what really happened there? I will say that I think that there's decent weapons with him, and it's a kind of just perfect for scheme fit for Trevor Lawrence. Christian Kirk, definitely in that vertical slot role. Uh, Zay Jones downfield. Marvin Jones, that's where he's historically won. Evan Ingram could win downfield for a tight end as well. And that's what Trevor Lawrence wants to do. So it's going to be very gradual improvements from Trevor Lawrence, I think. Uh, just needs to clean up some of the, the accuracy. A lot of a lot of the passes are just a little bit too high or like way, way, way too high. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't I don't understand why that is. Um, but they got to get Travis Etienne the ball in space because that's where he's going to be at his best, lots of explosive plays, but the constant in this offense, if Trevor Lawrence is going to be the constant, and if Travis Etienne is not going to be the constant, I think James Robinson is going to be like the early down guy. They're going to get him plenty of touches. I have James Robinson and Travis Etienne very close in my rankings. When with the Jaguars only projected to score 20 points this week, it's hard to get them above like the RB three zone right now. They have so many weapons. They have so many weapons. Obviously, their offensive line had some issues in week one. Then when they played well, Trevor Lawrence didn't play well. Christian Kirk played awesome. Zay Jones is good. Travis Etienne had his moments when got, getting to the outside and not spiking the football. And then as we know, James Robinson uh, came back and it's so good for him to be back in our lives here too. This was nearly the underdog of the week, but I just couldn't get there. I think defensively, the Colts, even with the new system this year and a new scheme this year, um, can cause some issues for Trevor Lawrence. I just... Man, the talent is there. Like I'm, I'm, I, I can never get down on Trevor. It's just the con like we can't allow him to get too excited in the first half. And it was so clear on that wide open ETN miss in that first quarter that he was just amped. That it's like, oh shit, I wasn't used to wide open pass catchers last season. These guys are explosive, and then just sails them. Yeah, I think it's gonna be another sloppy game. Okay, there goes that game. Next up, Carolina Panthers, New York Giants. Giants at home, two point favorites. Total of forty three. 
in this contest. Can we start the Panthers in? Because they go for it. You know, why not? It's your team. <laughs> oh, get out of here. The Panthers have to be better with their game plan, man. 13 throws open versus three runs. Going back and watching this Giants defense last week. If the Panthers don't isolate Christian McCaffrey against the Giants linebackers, like just do not let Matt Rule get on the plane. Lane Kiffin him, you know? Like what Dontrell Hillier did to these Giants linebackers last week was insane. One of the best snaps. They motioned Robert Woods into the backfield. They put Dontrell Hilliard in the slot. They ran mesh. It was Hilliard versus Tay Crowder. And then boom, massive chunk gain. If Christian McCaffrey is not used in isolation against these Giants linebackers, what the hell has been McAdoo, Matt Ruling company doing? There are some encouraging signs aside from Baker Mayfield's play and like the some of the scheme things. At least there's a chance for fantasy production here. The Panthers with Ben McAdoo first in neutral pass rate, and they were fifth in neutral pace. Both of those are classic Ben McAdoo characteristics of this offense. And I, I'm with you. I don't think the Giants defense is going to be very good. So it's just all about the game plan, letting their best players cook. And it's very the one other good thing that is there's no ancillary pieces. Robbie Anderson, DJ Morgan play every single snap. Christian McCaffrey is at 81% snaps. They're not throwing the ball to their tight ends. There's not a backup running back. There's not a third wide receiver. If this offense has any skills at all this year, it's only going to those three. So I'm I'm still leaving out some hope for like DJ Moore, for example, who had a very bad game last week. But if you're going to be top five in both neutral pace, neutral pass rate categories, all you have to have is like functional quarterback play. And I've seen Baker Mayfield have at least functional quarterback play. Not good, but functional. There is a different dilemma this week against the Giants than last week against the Cleveland Browns or Baker Mayfield. It's not just the narrative that surrounded it, right? It was also Baker tried to get the football out as quickly as possible because Miles Garrett against Ikki Okwanu was an awful matchup. And when he did, guess what? The team he played against probably knew in practice, if you can't get to him, just jump up and volleyball right. swat the ball down. Uh, yeah. The Giants, two edge rushers. And Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari were both working on the sideline on Friday, even after expressing optimism that they would play during Thursday's practice. So now you have backups in those spots on a Giants defense who might be coached well, but is riddled with by a lack of talent at multiple positions. Uh, Matt Rule, get the hell up out of here, man. When you talk about averaging 7.7 yards per the final 35 minutes, and that would have been third in the league last week. Like, that's just embarrassing. I'm looking at this pick'em lobby, Hayden. Christian McCaffrey, 45 and a half receiving yards. Ben McAdoo, Matt Rule, do the right thing, land the over, land the higher in the first half, and let's roll. This is the only way. This is the matchup to win, is isolating Christian McCaffrey against these slow-ass linebackers. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Speaking of slow-ass, the Giants' offensive pace last week. What was up with that 31st? in neutral offensive pace, 30th in neutral pass rate. That's not very Bills-esque. And I think, like you said, when you got gnaw-waved by Dayball uh, at the NFL <laughs> Combine, playing to the strengths of your team. And right now, the Giants are lacking playmakers because they're not playing Kadarius Tomey, who left this week with a hamstring injury. I don't think he's going to play. If he does, probably two snaps. Um, so now you're trotting out the 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 quadrant quad what's more than trio the next thing up from that it's like freaking quartet quartet richie james and freaking sterling shepherd and kenny Galle. it's not a friday it's no bueno bueno. so it it just comes back to saquon barkley it's saquon barkley versus christian mccaffrey and we'll see we'll see who wins 
We do expect Richie James to fill in as a slot wide receiver. I would say Kenny Galladay, Southern Shepard on the outside with maybe David Sills repping in. I think yeah. Tony was working in individual drills on Friday, but that doesn't mean anything. Like it's so clear that he's way, way stuffed down. And for every like 2021 Brandon Ayuk, you have a bunch of other wide receivers who just evaporated. I'm not giving up yet, but that's uh that is significant. Um Saquon Barkley had one carry against six. Uh, or fewer defenders in the box last week. Um, he tallied 155 rushing yards. Sorry, it was more than that. I think it was 11 carries against six or fewer defenders, and he totaled 155 rushing yards yeah. on those. I mean, it's 68, 33 on the ground. Getting those Saquon explosives back is so critical for this team, and I think that's what you're saying, where what we saw from Dayball during his time with the Bills, he knows he doesn't have the dudes. He doesn't have the quarterback. Daniel Jones still showed the blinders when he's pressured. So Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu, all of those guys should really get after. I wouldn't ex- yeah. be surprised if we see, you know, two or three turnovers by DJ. And that's why after all of this, is it dog? Absolute. Panthers, underdog yeah. of the week. I that was almost, just my hype speech for them, you know? Yeah. I, I almost went with this one as well. Giants 29th and blown block rate per SIS. And I wasn't right last week, but I still believe the Panthers defense has some dogs. So um, I'm, I was kind of curious why the Giants are favored here. Okay. Washington, Detroit coming up next. A pretty good total in this one, Hayden, of 49. Detroit are one half point favorites here. Um, what a run Amon Ross St. Brown is on. Shout out to Lord Reeves for this. He has now eight or more receptions in seven consecutive games, one short of the all-time record held by Michael Thomas in 2019 and yep. Antonio Brown in 2014. Amazing. Yeah, really awesome. Uh, up front, there's some issues, though, for for the Lions. Their right guard is on injured reserve. Their left guard didn't practice. And their center, Frank Ragno, one of the best centers in the league, he also didn't practice. They're all questionable. So we always talk about Jared Goff under pressure, and their entire interior could be missing this game. Now, at the same exact time, Washington's defense is just... It's just not that great. Like I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, no Chase Young, obviously. Still, uh, Cameron Curl was limited in practice. Same thing with Jonathan Allen. We'll see if they play. Uh, but the the front the front line man for the Lions. Like that's the thing that's going to keep them. That yeah. they were dominant last week. They really do need that. Um, and DeAndre Swift's going to be playing through an ankle injury. Yeah, and what they did with DeAndre Swift was basically part the season, allow him to get that second and third level. He didn't have to make too many decisions at the line of scrimmage, and that's where. He thrives. Now, we saw Travis Etienne roast Jamin Davis and roast mm-hmm. a bunch of these linebackers on the commanders last week. If DeAndre Swift is healthy, set him up for success on those downfield routes here as well. But like you're saying, the Montez Sweats, the Deron Paynes, Jonathan Allens of the world, if they have a one-on-one matchup, you should hope that they win it. Because, I mean, Jared Goff, his interception, his pick six kind of turned the tide of this game, man. It was a second and 16 14 to seven, a dude named Marlon Tui Palutu had in, interior disruption. Like the fifth, is he an USC Trojan? He's like the fifth defensive tackle on the Eagles. Immediate hits Jared Goff on release, throws at INT. And again, the pick six changed that contest. That's what you're always going to get from Jared. You know, it might yeah. go well. It might look really well, especially to DJ Chark, who's super involved in this offense. We mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, but that one crippling interception. But the same thing can be said for Carson Wentz on the other side, too. Yeah, I was like you said to start this. The total at forty nine, like the, the Lions are projected for, to score twenty five points. That seems That's a, amazing. That seems a little high. Yeah, it does. No, yeah, it does. Um, for Washington, their guard hasn't practiced all week. 
uh, and the Lions talk about like cluster injuries. Their defense too. Their Emmanuel Warriors uh, was missing time. Their front sevens all battered up right now too. And to me, one of the underrated storylines of Week One is just OC Scott T- Turner for. Our Washington guy was just, you know, he follows me on Twitter. Everybody. I gotta, I gotta get him on the show this off season. I gotta yeah. do it. Make it happen. Uh, very, I mean, the off, they all complement each other, you know, like Jahan Dotson, I think is gonna be a, this vertical weapon. We already know ter- that's where Terry McLaurin wins and they have all the underneath routes for Curtis Samuel and for Antonio Gibson scheming both of them open. And for all the negatives that we have about Carson Wentz, if you can just set play action and not have to make a read and just throw the ball downfield, he can do that. Yeah. And he has the weapons to do this. So I think this is actually going to be a functional offense here. So I actually have Washington as my underdog of the week just because the lines oh. are so battered uh, on both sides of the ball. Is it dog? Absolutely. I mean, that's a measly one and a half points. I might even flip by Sunday, but I guess. I mean, what, is, what was yours? Two? Two and a half. That's a full extra point here. Okay. <laughs> that's a full extra point. I do want to outline, though, in every single show that you've watched, that you've listened to, has talked about Scott Turner. I think we were first. Um, but people picked up Curtis Samuel this week in their mm-hmm. fantasy lineups, and they're wondering how much can they trust Curtis Samuel after people like me and you hyped him up for two years and he hasn't done anything since, what, like 2020? I'm here to tell you that as long as he's healthy, Scott Turner is going to put Curtis Samuel in creative situations and get him the football, you know? He is the type of manufactured touch player or, hey, this play is designed for Curtis that, as you said, is so different than the skill sets that they have of Jahan Dotson, the vertical playmaking of Terry McLaurin. It's pretty easy to get Curtis the ball when you want him to, you know, and I'm not saying he's going to get a touchdown every week or he's going to get six receptions every week, all that type of stuff. He's going to get a few touches every week. He's super explosive. Looks awesome right now. Immediately in that first quarter, um, I can see in the pick lobby that his higher or lowers are at four receptions, 43 and a half yards. I wouldn't go all the way to that 10 fantasy points, but I could see five touches, but some of those obviously can be jet sweeps or, or runs out of the backfield too. Like legit run rushes. That's where one of his fumbles came from, but they went back to that. Uh, Like the question becomes, if we're somewhat optimistic on Curtis Samuel, we think that Jahan Dotson can play. What are we doing with Terry McLaurin? Like I was struggling to rank him. I want to stick to my priors and just believe that Terry McLaurin is going to be the alpha of this receiving group. But like you said, there's other players to scheme the ball open to. So I think I have him like as a wide receiver three uh, this week. And I have both Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel more like wide receiver four or five borderline. Basically, they're, they're, one of them is going to go off. One of them is going to have yeah. an OK game and the other one's not going to be heard of. And Jeff Okuda last week did a really good job against Devontae Smith. Yeah, you know? there was great news with uh, training camp with them, too. Yeah, and I, I would expect Jeffrey Okuda to go up against Terry McLaurin in this contest. Very different style than Devontae Smith and Terry McLaurin. Um but we saw it last week, even with his mistakes, even with the trebuchet planting his feet and unloading, those vertical outside the number shots were a big deal. One to Jahan yep. Dotson, one to Terry yep. McLaurin, and they changed those entire contests. Shocking the total, though, of 49 with these two teams. But one of them is going to be like everyone's favorite underdog this season, whoever wins. Whoever wins. Okay, next up, the opposite direction. <laughs> New England Patriots and Pittsburgh Steelers, a total of 40 and a half in this game with the favored... Patriots by two. Okay. No Ty Montgomery. He's down for four games. 33 and a third percent of the Patriots carries failed to gain yardage in week one last week. The highest rate in the league. That's not the Patriots way. Hayden winks. That's not how this team played offense last season. So with Ty Montgomery down, how are we handling this backfield? Is another person added 
or is it just condensed down to do? And should we even care about it? I think it's just going to go mostly down to two and they're going to use their running backs a ton here. Um, no TJ Watt is a, is a benefit, not just Huge. for the past pass game, but also for the rushing game as well. I have Damian Harris ranked ahead of Ramondre. He was just working ahead of them the entire time. They're just, it's going to kind of come down to like the Khalil Herbert stuff from like last week. Like when they do get to the red zone and it's not going to happen too often uh, right now, who's going to be on the field for that play. I think it's just going to be kind of drive by drive. It's not really like roll base is more drive by drive base. And when like they get tired is when they kind of uh, squeeze in here. Um, but to me, it's not really going to matter unless they can stretch the field. Like looking at last week, there was just nothing downfield. And I think that they got to get Devonte Parker more shots, that interception that shouldn't have been an interception, to be honest, they need more of those type of throws down there. They need to get Nelson Aguilar actually running downfield, throw him the ball. Otherwise, it just feels more and more and more condensed. That's not going to open up the run game at all. The offensive line needs to play better. I thought the tackle play was not very good last week. And Mac needs to play better. Mac needs to play better as as well. Uh, the back spasms doesn't seem like it's going to be much of an issue for him this week. But uh, if, if they can't throw the ball over the top of a safety, it's not going to really matter. Uh, there might be some guy underdog. Maybe his name rhymes with uh, Rick Nudman. Um not not very into this Patriots organization at the moment. Some like black clouds hanging over. And Albert Breer pointed this out that the TV numbers, if we can go by narrative street here, are super down locally for the Patriots. And Breer, who's very close to this organization and does some local media, says this is notable because ownership really cares about the ratings that they get. Um it's got to turn around because what Bill Belichick is doing is putting all of his offensive eggs in the basket of Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, who we saw no answers to the problems that defenses put out there. And that's literally the job of a play caller on offense is to counter when the other team shuts down your A option. I also believe that him trying to implement this zone or stretch running game when Damien Harris last week, even, and especially all last season was at his best in these man or gap schemes. Like why are we trying to reinvent the wheel when why not just do exactly what worked last season over and over again. And so in this game, it would be positive rushing yardage for Damien Harris and Ramondre Stevenson versus trying to be good at multiple things, you know, like let's just run Damien Harris into the ground against the Pittsburgh Steelers without TJ Watt. Yeah. I think they're going to they're going to try to do it. Uh, offense is playing the Steelers last year were eighth in neutral run rate. Teams are choosing to run the ball on the Steelers, and they were actually pretty effective doing so. Uh, Steelers were twenty fifth against fantasy running backs, so I think it's an okay spot for for Damian Harris. I hope they can try a little more play action work, you know, and then take a deep Imagine shot it. down like, motion. That, that might you know, work. Any of this stuff. To your point about Ty Montgomery, he played seventeen pass downs last week. Damian Harris had twelve. Ramondre Stevenson had six. Uh, I, as you outlined, do not firmly believe someone's just going to have the James White role all of a yeah. sudden. Like, it's just going to be a split backfield between the two and probably series by series because Damien actually, since the preseason, has shown pretty good in the passing game too. Now, quickly, a Patriots defensive conversation because they confused the shit out of Joe Burrow last week, especially in that first quarter. But when you go back and watch that, TJ Watt had such an impact in yep. those first three quarters and him not being on the field is obviously massive for that game. Uh, we just butchered the Patriots offense. It's even easier to do that. The Pittsburgh Steelers offense, 
who has playmakers all around, manufactured touches to Chase Claypool. You know, George Pickens making catches that don't count as catches. Deontay Johnson making a ludicrous sideline grab. Again, went back and watched. Mitch Trubisky was even worse on the review so bad. than he was live. It was awful. Yeah, he averaged three yards per attempt if you take away the 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 screen, the flea flicker, and that Deontay Johnson catch. Three yards per attempt. Uh he can't he can't throw the ball with accuracy. His decision making is bad, <laughs> and the offensive line is no good. So outside of that, I'm expecting big things from the Steelers. It's it's gonna be troublesome. I, I had to move Deontay Johnson down a little bit. Chase Claypool, they're getting him kind of uh going in the in the run game more in the sweeps, not like as like a running back like Curtis Samuel a little bit. But this is like rookie season usage though for Chase Claypool, and I like it. Yes. I do like it. I do, I do like it. The, this kind of feels like just like a, a popcorn type of offense where they're yep. like drift the quarterback's drifting it's all this motion it's all this stuff and like there's not throwing the ball downfield and when they try to throw the ball downfield to george pickens on the sideline it's like into the row two so if you're going to this game uh get your gloves on because you might get a pass from trubisky coming your way i i'm just i'm just concerned that it's just going to be no big plays and right we'll see if trubisky can hold on to this job i thought week one was a disaster for him now Najee harris is playing despite being rolled up on and that's kind of shocking and amazing in practice um the defense for the Patriots might win this contest, you know, like Cal Duggar was all over the place last week. I know he got injured for a bit, but Bill can do enough to confuse Matt Canada's window dressing. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And maybe they can create some big plays defensively. Okay. Next up jets at Browns. Another game of a 40 total with Cleveland. We get a good game to talk about <laughs> six and a half point favorites. We will in just a moment, in the four o'clock window. Uh, the Jets were a league worst two of 14 last week in converting third downs in week one. That's a measly 14%. Um, both quarterbacks are absolute dog shit. Uh, on the Jets, let's start there because he actually made Michael Carter and Brees Hall fantasy relevant. But Hayden, there's nothing worse than waking up on a Sunday morning and banking on Joe Flacco checkdowns to win you your fantasy football matchup like yeah that's just down bad immediately in week two especially against miles garrett who exactly is do terrible things okay closing yeah. on the on the running yeah. backs you know like that's to me that's a formula for failure i know we can point at volume we can look at joe flacco and say this and that but i don't know if i want to bank on something like that to win me week two yeah, it's a 60 40 split mostly for Michael Carter and Brees Hall. And you're just hoping for like garbage time checkdowns, but that would also require the Browns to jump out to a massive lead to even get into those situations. And yeah, Joe Flacco being that immobile, uh, that unwilling to throw the ball downfield. And PFF had the Jets 29th in pass blocking grade last week. So it's basically just hoping for garbage time with him. Uh, we do need to talk about the wide receiver rotation just in case somebody's in this pickle. Uh, Elijah Moore is the constant. He was out there for 90% of the routes. Then you have Corey Davis, who played most of the two wide receiver sets. He's the physical guy. He has the most experience on the team. He has a role winning the ball over the middle. Garrett Wilson didn't play much. He was actually behind Braxton Barrios, who was the slot receiver, until late in the game. Then you got Garrett Wilson the ball a little bit more. In garbage time, though, if you're starting any of them outside Elijah Moore, your team's probably pretty effed. And I think you can get away with Elijah Moore as like a wide receiver three flex, but it's not a great matchup. Uh, the Browns have cornerback play on top of Miles Garrett rushing against Joe Flacco. The Jets scrambled offensive line last week outside of Elijah Vera Tucker was real it's bad. Tough. Yeah, it, was, it was real bad. And so again, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, pin your ears back. We know that Joe Flacco simply can't move. Like he yeah. literally cannot move. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes five sacks in this contest. You know, and we we know both offenses want to play slow too. Right. You know, well, let's jump to the Browns offense since we have to. Let's start bad, then we'll go good. Uh, the Browns do not want to throw the football unless they are forced to. Like even the big plays that were created last week were pass interferences to Amari Cooper that Cooper set like threw off platform and was yeah. all it was it was chaos. It was all over the place, right? Um, I know that Donovan Peoples Jones came in clutch in the intermediate areas and had a lot of volume. I will go back to I do not want to bank on any wide receivers attached to Donovan Peoples Jones. This is gonna sound crazy. I would rather play someone like Greg Dorch than DPJ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about like Amari Cooper though? I think Amari Cooper is at least somewhat viable getting uh, a rookie corner here. Um, but the big news, I mean, let's let's not get around this. The Browns are touchdown favorites, and they're in a stone cold eruption spot uh, when it comes to rushing the ball. So both Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb can get there uh, this week. Nick Chubb still just absolutely I mean, dominant. Let's like, just take a moment and just enjoy this. This is like the pin pull. This is just running over a Panthers defense that knew that this was going to happen for the entire week, for the entire day. And Nick Chubb is just an unreal superhuman. This is the explosives. Like we can talk about Amari Cooper and getting down the field and his A dot or whatever you want to, but this is how the Browns are going to win this game. This is why they're favored by six and a half points is because of the combo, like you're saying, of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And look at that wide open crease. That's insane. And they're going to do it against this Jets defense too, 100%. And Robert Sala is going to take receipts on himself. Yeah. It's Are we allowed to, um, am I allowed to drop one of these? I'm rich. What is up with the music on those? <laughs> am I allowed to drop one of those in Nick Chubb? Or is that the easiest Benji of all time? Go for it. Go. For okay. It. I just did. Nice. You want it again? I'm rich. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. What is, what is a higher lower set at like a hundred? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's look at that. Uh, that's in the pick'em lobby. All of you can go play pick them on underdog the absolute best way it's at 83 and a half oh i'm good okay yeah that's that's doable the line is officially 85 85 we can't pick it that's okay so 83 and a half we're all in the clear as the higher or lower on uh on nick job if none of you have played pick them or even check out the rivals tab it's so much fun to just get a rivals full-on projection 20x out there as well you can check out the link in the description down below We'll match your first deposit up to $100. Just use promo code the show. Okay. I think we've done it. You need to say something else about this Browns offense? No, not about that. I do like looking at the rivals tab and finding like CD lambs projected for like the same amount of fantasy points as like Greg Dorch. And you're just like, what, 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 how did we get here so fast? But there's some good ones like that in rivals. Yes. The the geeks in the lab in the back of the office that are, putting these spreadsheets and numbers together with Greg Dorch equaling CD lamb. And you know I made what? that one up, these, but yeah, <laughs> these, these projections are, are damn good each and every week. Okay. Let's now go to some good games. Arizona Cardinals at Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are five and a half point favorites here. 51 and a half. If that one hits Arizona Cardinals are in down bad territory. Their defense has also allowed multiple passing touchdowns in eight straight contests. We already know that Devontae Adams, fantastic in week one, what, 17 targets or something like that? It was out of control. Darren Waller should have had a touchdown. We're going to learn a lot of what Hunter Renfro can be in a matchup like this with the other two great pass catchers on the team. Yeah, Devontae Adams is going to be absolutely insane this year. His chemistry was 
unbelievable. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right now just so you can see. It's all these option routes for uh, Devontae Adams. And again, zone coverage just on the same page. But whenever he has like a one-on-one matchup in the red zone, and it was very similar kind of how the Packers had it last week. Once they got to the red zone, it was first, let's see if Devontae Adams has an isolated matchup, and we're going to pass the ball down there. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers last year. I'm not sure if that's going to go away. So it really comes down to if he's going to be the first read on all these these passes, how is Hunter Renfro going to get there? The he's only not. the only way that we can possibly make that happen is the Raiders are projected for like 28 points. I have Derek Carr as like my quarterback seven this week. You know, like he's projecting very well this this week. Uh, the offensive line is a disaster. So is Josh Jacobs and pass protection. Man, he only had a couple. Like he kept getting subbed out in passing plays, but then when he was out there, he was just whiffing every single block. Uh, so we might get Zamir White eventually. Uh, I'm I'm kind of kind of with you with that. But Devontae Adams looked awesome, and Derek Carr made a couple of costly mistakes, and that cost him the game. But I thought for the most part played a pretty pretty good game. I think they're going to move the ball all over the Cardinals, who are missing everybody in the secondary still. Yeah, it, it was a bad Derek Carr game. I mean, Adams again on these pick'em projections, a hundred receiving yards higher or lower, and it makes it makes total sense. As you outlined, Renfro has to be there if they score a whole bunch of points, you know. But if it's a lower scoring contest, like let's say instead of a fifty-one and a half total, the Raiders are in like a forty-five total or a forty-two yeah. total. I'm I'm in. Let's not play Hunter Renfro territory because again, how he got so many of his points last season, tons of slot work, volume sponge. And was seeing a ton of high quality targets inside the 10 and in the red zone. And immediately once Devonte Adams and once Darren Waller are involved in that area, you go from the number one priority in your isolated movement to probably the number three priority. And that's tough. That's tough work. Okay. Last, last note, just to put some, some names behind the, the secondary issues for the Cardinals, Trayvon Mullen, their cornerback too. He was limited. Jalen Thompson, their safety. He didn't practice this week. JJ Watt, is limited. Their their other starting cornerback is uh, on the pup list from that that cooking um, injury. Yep. And they try to play man, and they really like the blitz in Arizona. And if you don't have coverage corners behind that, you're prone to big plays. And that's what we saw last week. I think the same thing could happen for uh, the Raiders this week. Okay. Last week the Cardinals were blown out immediately, uh, but their offense in at least the somewhat neutral game script that we saw was James Conner owning. That backfield, we saw Greg Dortch basically being Rondell Moore, yep. where six of his seven targets had an A dot of two yards, and then he had one vertical shot that was 27 yards. And then we got Marquise Brown. Um, now, Kyler Murray was able to get home last week in kind of a garbage time over 20 points. But the Raiders' pass rush last week got to Justin Herbert 37% of the time while just using a four man pass rush. Yeah. If they can do that again, it's another really long day this Arizona Cardinals offensive line and unit as a whole. Yeah. The offensive line wasn't very good. They were 25th in blown block rate. There were some like bad snaps from like Rodney Hudson as well. Uh, the positive news for the Cardinals is one, you get the garbage time, but the Raiders are going to be, I think playing with good pace and they're going to be hanging points up on the Cardinals defense. So they're going to get garbage time from uh, Kyler Murray and they have a linebacker and safety on the back. end that didn't practice all, all this week for the Raiders. So uh great Dorch, like you said, is in the Rondale Moore role, but the Rondale Moore plus role because he actually ran around on 96% of dropbacks, was playing over AJ Green in those situations. But the storyline for fantasy with the Cardinals to me is James Conner. Our pick'em projection have them uh the higher lower set at 16.5 half PPR points. That is among the highest. He's a, a borderline top five fantasy running back right now. 
Um, yeah, yeah. It's I love James Conner, man. People just love to hate him. I just flat out love him. You know, he was good I, last week. I, I agree. I, I totally agree. The Eno Benjamin stuff was all happening when you know they got into into rough territory. I will add. I want to know what happens to like Hollywood Brown in the like full time four quarter. What are we going to get from him? Is it going to be movement or is it the stale Cliff Kingsbury stuff? Yeah. You know, so uh, Raiders pass rush. Fantastic. And I forgot to mention this on the Raiders offensive end. Both Isaiah Simmons and Zaven Collins last week got torched over and over and over. Playing and, everywhere too. Yeah. And if we get Simmons versus Darren Waller in this format, give me Darren Waller. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. that was Simmons. their that was their ability or or belief last week was to put Simmons one on one against Travis Kelsey, right? And he just yeah. got blown up over and over and over again. The broadcast, I think Simmons has is is communicating the plays, and they said that they wanted him to do that so he can have a better feel of where to set things up because last year was Jeez. not good for him. But they keep moving him around. It seems like they're like, hey, this player was struggling. Let's give him more things to do. I'm not sure the Cardinals, man. They're like the Jets of the West, but they don't have fans, so we don't like hear about all the nonsense the whole organization is just kind of a mess buddy buddy with the gm and the head coach and they get extensions and so on and so 2027 oh and two oh and two is directly in their sight if if vegas is correct atlanta falcons and los angeles rams now we get some big spreads the rams are 10 point favorites here at home a total of 42nd or 47 i should say um look rams laid a goose egg in the opening thursday night contest they've had extra days here uh they took a sack on 14.6% of their week one dropbacks after having just a 4.8% rate in 2021. Um, I think that the Falcons defense has improved a little bit. I don't think it's improved the level of the Buffalo Bills in their matchup against the Rams. Well, stylistically, it's like complete opposite. The Bills were just rushed with four, too high defense, and just let them beat your zone underneath. Now you have Dean Pease with the Falcons. Crazy blitzes stunts the whole thing up front it's a beauty to watch and they're going to play better just because i think dean pease just calls plays better um but like you said with the rams it's the the offensive line is like a legit problem their their center's out for for like four weeks uh andrew Whitworth is in retirement and their backup was getting obliterated he's playing through a partially torn mcl their left guard might as well been uh have a have a little bl- blanket with him and letting bulls run right through him it was it was no good and Stafford was out of rhythm the entire time so the only thing you can say is just the falcons aren't as good but i was shocked to see the falcons are full 10 point spread uh here i thought the rams might need a, a couple weeks to kind of figure this thing out with a brand new offensive line and brand new well, number two receiver I, I think part of it is you mentioned the exotic blitzes we know that matthew stafford torch blitzes last year granted better offensive line last season, but that's where he made his money, you know, was just eviscerating when the defense said an extra man and then filling that gap with a target. Um, Injuries suck and it's impossible for us to project how good a unit of five is going to pick up in that format. But like, let's say that they don't get sacked on 14% of their dropbacks. Allen Robinson is going to have a game. I know he like let people down here in, in week one, but I think against this Falcons defense, granted, they might match A.J. Terrell up against him on a snap and snap out basis because Allen Robinson is the one that is going to be the outside wide receiver. And they're going to get Cooper Cup in the slot. They're going to get Cooper Cup in stack box or in stack formations, right? In bunch sets. Um, 
if that's the case, by the first snap, I might rescind this. But I think this is a much more advantageous game for Allen Robinson to get back into our lives than obviously week one was. Yeah, he was just so bad against zone coverage last week. And like you said, the Falcons aren't going to play as much zone coverage. And Allen Robinson just looked since 2018 yards per out run versus man coverage 2.1 against zones 1.8. So there's like slight splits there. Um, but I think a, a little bit is just getting a feel for Matthew Stafford. And let's be honest, this wasn't all Allen Robinson. There was a couple of throws that Matthew Stafford should have seen, and he just didn't look right uh, offensively. Speaking of the pick em lobby, Darryl the, the Daryl Henderson at 15 points, nine five for his over under for for half ppr points that puts him into the rb1 uh discussion yeah and just 59 and a half rushing yards like if we get back to 85 percent snaps the higher or lower on 59 and a half rushing yards makes a lot of sense even though grady jarrett was a freakazoid yeah and it'll one. be this week too He's I, I will say- one of my favorite players oh yeah one of my favorite players in the league and cam makers really struggled in pass protection it's going to be hard to trust a running back they don't trust in pass protection against Dean Pease, who's going to be bringing the house, and Grady Jarrett's going to be probably cruising against their left guard and center. I feel like the Falcons might be the easiest team for fantasy football right now. Like, you're starting Cal Pitts, you're starting Drake London, you're starting Cordero Patterson, and even starting Marcus Mariota probably in super flex leagues. And then we yes. move on, you know? Yeah. It's like kind of that simple, no? Yeah, uh, Damian Williams hasn't practiced this week, so Tyler Algier could uh, be active. I'm very curious to see what the split's going to be like with CPAT and either Damian Williams or Tyler Algier, but he was so explosive. I don't see how they go away from him right now. And what we saw during with Jalen Ramsey during their Super Bowl run is half the time he played in that like pure slot role, you know, getting him as close to the football as possible. Um, we saw Kyle Pitts last week play a lot more in line. We saw Kyle Pitts play even stay in for seven pass pro reps. So could we see Jalen Ramsey on Cal Pitts like we saw, you know, Stefan Gilmore on Cal Pitts last season when Gilmore was a part of the Panthers? That's possible. Or do we see him play more on the outside and in the slot with pure wide receivers like with Drake London? You know, these are all questions that I think will get answered throughout the game. Uh, just difficult to project and not enough to me to bench either one of those. No. Jalen Ramsey got cooked last week too. It was like the first time I've seen him like well, truly I mean, get cooked. I mean, it's Stefan Diggs, it's Gabriel Davis. Like right. those, those are good. You know, it's it's different. He's coming than, back from injury. It's though. Josh Allen versus Marcus Mariota. I like no, no, for sure. But of no, Jalen Ramsey is coming back from and playing through injuries right now. Okay, you just had to get that dig for Jalen Ramsey in there against. I mean, I love Jalen Ramsey. He's an absolute dog, but it was not great last week. Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers, another huge spread with the 49ers favored by eight and a half points here. Remember what I said last week about the huge spread? <laughs> I, you wouldn't let me do it, but I almost picked the, the Seahawks in that, in, that, in that upset. 41 and a half total. So let me outline that again. The 49ers are eight and a half point favorites with a total of 41 and a half. What is the Seahawks expected point total for their 16. team? 16. Yeah. After what we saw against the Denver Broncos. Outline this for me. Um, I think that he's better than this. There is rain, you know, and I, we got a question if this is Trey Lance. Obviously, there's rain last week. There's rain in the forecast. He was making it rain in the middle of this past week. The rain Trey man. Lance. He is the he is the rain man. Uh, I thought Geno Smith played well. He was actually had a couple creative plays uh, in the last game, and I I'm kind of a, a fan of his game just in general. I think he's a little bit underrated. He's uh, I think above or at functional quarterback play. Um. But like you said, the issue is the, the the offensive line for the Seahawks and the 49ers pass rush is not a good 
thing to have uh, in this matchup. So um, you can't play Rashad Penny. I don't think Ken Walker is supposed to, to return. You can't play Ken Walker because he's still limited in practice and you can't really trust Pete Carroll, who's always too optimistic. Um, but I think this game's going to be a little bit because. Yeah, go ahead. We did your tiers for running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. You all can check that out. We'll replay them on Sunday morning to the start the start set show. But almost the first five comments we received was, you're way too low on Rashad Penny. I was you outline why you're totally fine with him, and I'll do it for you. He was a running back 35 last week in positive game script and a full-time early down role. We know he's already lost the passing game role to either Travis Homer or someone else. And then now Kenneth Walker might come in and take even 20 to 30% of the early down role against the San Francisco 49ers front, which is loaded at the defensive line. They've got this new linebacker safety hybrid dude who is flying across the field. He's another USC. USC. Everyone from Samoa, like everyone is coming from there. This is... Well, yeah, welcome to Los Angeles. This is Clay Helton at his finest. We're gonna have all these like actual functional uh, USC players coming in the draft recently, and we couldn't win any ball games. But now we're seventh in the country, so it's all right. I never heard of this linebacker. Hufunga? I mean, Ooh. never. He just flew around. He was three yards in the backfield coming from deep. It was crazy what he was he, doing. He was like that at USC. So, anyways, like awesome. Charles Cross might be good. Their other rookie tackle from Washington State might be good, but they're just not as good as Nick Bosa. Javon Kinlaw, who's playing yeah. really well now. Fred Warner splicing through the front too. Like that, that's what really terrifies me about the Seattle, Seattle matchup. Very slow pace. Like the they're just gonna take the air out of the ball on the 49ers end of things. They had the uh the lowest neutral pass rate in the league last last week. The 49ers did. Obviously, that's partially because of the rain, but we have rain in the forecast here. So I'm not expecting too much to change. Uh Trey Lanther was on tape review. Definitely missed a couple throws just based off of accuracy. Also had a couple awesome throws downfield and by the sideline. It's kind of the same narrative. And everybody was right, basically, is he's going to be able to stretch the field. There's going to be new things with the offense. They're going to have a little more quarterback rushing. Is it just, is he, could he make up the ground winning on a play by play basis? And the 49ers basically didn't ask him to pass the ball at all last week. So, uh, Trey Lance, I think, is more of like a quarterback, like upside quarterback too, than a, a locked in quarterback. But like, for example, I would play Derek Carr over Trey Lance this week. Um, yeah. And then basically the debate is like, is Brandon Ayuk a flex play? <sighs> he's like kind of right on the border of it. I think there's like no floor with him every single week because Debo Sam was going to get the ball like, what, 15 times this week? Yeah. So let's outline that. We did it in the previous show this week. One, the 49ers, I think, were in a league low 49 plays last week. Um, two, Jeff Wilson, I wouldn't firmly just put him into my running back two or flex spot, depending on my roster, because, yeah, he might get 12 carries. But even with Elijah Mitchell in the ballgame in the first quarter, quarter and a half last week, um, Debo Samuel was getting three or four red zone carries. Like, he is their best outside runner now. And then even more in the red zone versus where Jeff Wilson splits might have happened in previous seasons. You have Trey Lance as a running threat in the red zone now, too. And I have no clue what this is going to mean for Jordan Mason and, and TDP. So I'm not saying these might be hollow touches from Jeff Wilson. I just don't think we can definitely use the splits as we've seen in previous years because Debo has running back incentives. They want to win. And it seems perfectly cool from the first series last week that he is going to be featured in that area once again this season. Yeah, I, I'm with you with the Jeff Wilson stuff. I have him like in, as like rb like 28 somewhere somewhere in that range for my rankings i don't think he's gonna get the jeff wilson or the eli mitchell role because he's just not as fast and that's such a crucial part to the shanahan offense and i'm also in the camp 
where I don't think we saw the full 49ers offense last week. Um, what intrigued me the most was those completions outside the numbers and down the field, but that's what I've had my eye on all, all yeah. offseason, right? Where Jimmy completed 25 of those and Trey Lance already had three in, in week one. So I'm staying patient on Brian Ayuk, and I know a lot of other people are are freaking out. But let me stress again, one reason why Brandon Ayuk converted from his seven games in the doghouse to the final 10 games when he had the same number of points as Mike Evans and Tyreek Hill on a weekly basis was Debo Samuel backfield touches and Debo Samuel backfield reps. And if we get him as like the number one wide receiver out there with George Kittle missing this contest again, boom, shakalaka. Let's roll. Y- young secondary, no Jamal Adams for the Seahawks too. Young secondary is kind of fun. Tariq Woolen. They're huge. It's after it. They're so big. They have a type. They certainly have a type. Houston Texans, Denver Broncos, another 10-point spread here by the Broncos. Lost last week. Total of 45 in this contest. Uh, hate to say it, and I wasn't the only one saying it, we told you so with this Russell Wilson offense traveling. I mean, he was 33rd in rate last week of throws inside the numbers. 25%, you know? Once again, all down the field. The only thing that has kind of changed a little bit is the usage of running backs in the passing game and how much he's peppering those guys near the line of scrimmage. So that is almost the middle of the field checkdowns become the outside the numbers checkdowns of these. But again, it's Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, maybe mixing some Albert O, and that's that. Vertical shots and moonshots. Hopefully it works. And the entire league is playing cover two quarters coverage. And same thing we're going to get with the Texans here. Obviously the Texans aren't that like talented out there. I mean, Derek seemingly had a couple of awesome reps uh, last week. Uh, But yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of a weird mix with Nathaniel Hackett fourth quarter decision-making aside, just because like throwing the ball to the running backs, isn't really like playing to Russell Wilson's strength. We really have never seen that before. Um, And this week with the, Texans projected to lose by like what 10 points. Yep. We shouldn't see as many targets to Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, but at the same time, Vegas projects the Broncos to score 27 and a half points. I have Javante Williams as a top 10 back. This seems like a 60 40 type of split here um, where Javante Williams is going to play more of the passing downs. Maybe Melvin Gordon plays like equally uh, early downs. And then they're kind of just going to rotate fumbling balls at the one yard line. I mean, really the Broncos, those two fumbles changed the whole outcome. It seems oh, yeah. so obvious to say, and it's really easy to attach the narrative to the 64 yard field goal. But without those two fumbles on the goal line, the game isn't even close. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So let's, let's put some perspective on this. Let's also put some perspective on the Texans backfield. We talked about in the stats versus film show. So many of you found the stats versus film show this time for the, for the first time. I'm glad you all loved it. It's our favorite show to do each and every week. We're very much better than this show. Yeah, We're very professional in that show. This one we let loose. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about that backfield. Again, Damian Pierce started 11 carries. Mm-hmm. Rex Burkhead did not start, then took every single snap in overtime. Lovey Smith, since squeaky wheel a little bit, saying, hey, man, we should have gotten Damian Pierce a little more involved. The Pick'em Lobby has Damian Pierce at 41 and a half rushing yards higher or lower. Your thoughts? Right here. Let's zoom in on my chart. Right next to it, seeing the red label, they're right the closest team to. They're not projected for enough points. They play too, too slow in general. It's, I mean, you're, you can't start Rex Burkhead or or Damian Pierce in your redraft leagues unless you're in a really deep league. Yes, there is a little squeaky wheel, but 
when the game was on the line in overtime, Rex Her- Rex Burkhead was out there. Uh, to me, Brandon Cooks is the one where I feel very good about his usage. The matchup's not nearly as clean, obviously, playing a little cover two, a little quarters. You have Simmons back there, and obviously going one-on-one against Patrick Sertan. Uh, it's no bueno for Brandon Cooks, but he's got so much volume. They're projected to lose by so many points. He's going to get there regardless. I like that. Okay, <laughs> let's go. That's all you got. All right. That's all I got. Uh, let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys. It sucks because, you know, a week ago at this time, we've been excited for this contest. Um, Bengals are seven-point favorites, a total of 41.5. Most notably, news and notes, T. Higgins is practicing on Friday. So we get him back into our lives here. Jamar Chase was unreal last week. Something to keep in mind because of the awful start that Joe Burrow had. I mean, he took a sack in the first play and a pick six in the second play. Pittsburgh used cover two on 28% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks, the second highest rate in week one after using it just 14% of the time throughout 2021. And we know Joe Burrow threw three of his INTs against that cover two. He went one of 25 on throws of 20 plus yards. So Hayden, this was the big question all off season for the Bengals, right? Like how are they going to adjust when these high variance, big plays do not work when they can just attack, you know, single high looks over and over and over again to the outside. It's a tiny little sample, but week one, Joe Burrow handled it very, very poorly. He really did. I, I couldn't believe it really. Like there were like brutal interceptions, like completely uncharacteristic. I will say, I don't think the Cowboys defense is going to be all that great. Uh, Boogie Basham, one of their edge rushers, wasn't practicing. Their starting safety, he wasn't practicing. And I really do think Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown, their corners on the outside, aren't that great. They're big play hunters, but they're not great consistently. They gave up a couple big plays last week to Julio Jones. And I think T. Higgins is going to be my... Benji of the week, assuming he's playing. I have a backup call later in the show just in case he doesn't, but I feel very good that both Jamar Chase and T. T Higgins are going to be able to torch those outside corners for the... I'm rich! They're projected for 24 uh, points. I'll take the higher uh, on that as well. I'm surprised that the the point spread's only seven uh, this game. Cooper, Cooper Rush can't play. I... Ask our boy Weaves to bring up all of these Joe Burrow interceptions because this first one, I mean, it truly is just a cover two look. And I don't know why he throws this. Does he just yeah. not see Minka Fitzpatrick behind? Yeah. Is it, it Tyler Boyd? I mean, it's just bad. Where is this going to? You know? Yeah. And once again, prior to last week, we talked about, you know, the nine sacks against the Tennessee Titans, the seven sacks that Joe Burrow gets hit, the five sack game, so on and so forth. There were a bunch of sacks in week one, and I'd say half of them were Joe Burrow's fault. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought the offensive line actually held up pretty Same. reasonably. Uh, they were ninth in SIS's blown block rate and 16th in PFS uh, pass blocking. So it, it was just a bad Joe Burrow game. Like it was it was a rarity, but it, that was, I don't think, I, to me, I was like a little bit optimistic because I know Joe Burrow is going to play better. And I thought yeah. like maybe all these issues were offensive line related. I didn't really think that they were. I think like long term, they'll be, be able to iron these things out. Um, and getting T Higgins back is not a, um, a bad thing either. He's a superhuman, but any concern of a potential hangover of Jamar Chase playing 95 snaps in week one? <laughs> I mean, that's ludicrous. We talked yeah, about the 49ers yes, having 49 snaps not. last week. Jamar plays Jamar Chase played double that in 95 yeah. snaps in week one. Yeah, I'll be ranking him as a top three receiver. So <laughs> okay, maybe I'm no. I'll I'll move into number four and I'll put Devontae Adams three. There you go. Uh, I don't think there's like anything worth saying about the Dallas Cowboys. If it sucks. 
the only big question is like, where is CD Lamb? We did it in the your wide receiver tiers. I think you had him as like wide receiver 30 or something like that. Um, I would be terrified to already play him. Like I would want to move on to someone else. You know, I would want to move on to, I played Devonte Smith over him. Oh, I would not. We'll get to that in a moment. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah, we'll get to that. Bold. Uh, just the pick and projection has CD lamb at 10.8 half PPR point. Zeke also at 10.8 half PPR points. Uh, Connor McGovern, their left guard. He's not going to uh, play. And I will say just, this doesn't really matter for this week. The Bengals' defense is legit. You know, they're just always underrated. They've had so much experience all with each other. Uh, going back to the Mitchell Trubisky stuff, like, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky wasn't very good himself, but the Bengals' defense was awesome. And this has been uh, a storyline, like, throughout the playoff run. They were holding great offenses to not that many points. So I think this Bengals unit, they don't have a bunch of star players, but this is – they got some dogs, like, as a team. They do. They do. And – uh their new line, the new cornerback, defensive back was in for a handful of important plays too. Um, okay, we'll keep it going. Bears at Packers. We'll start with this one on uh, Sunday Night Football, I believe. 42 and a half. Packers, after losing last week, 10-point favorites here. I don't typically start these conversations with defense, but I feel like it's kind of important here with the Packers because their defense has to play up to their talent. Yes, And like this is really the perfect game for it. You know, you've invested so much in Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander and obviously paying Rasul Douglas this summer. Then your cornerbacks get torched by Justin Jefferson because of scheme somewhat, but also because of communications issues. Uh, You also have Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark and all that stuff up front, and you didn't really get home against Kirk Cousins at the exact same time. Again, it's the perfect matchup for you. Those cornerbacks against whatever wide receivers the Bears are going to try out there, and then the defensive line against this offensive line for Chicago Bears. It has to be won immediately on that side of the ball. Yeah, I agree. I think this is like a massive O-line versus D-line mismatch. I thought like the last week, the Packers were very close to getting Kirk Cousins multiple times. I think that will be the case with just uh, Justin Fields, who plays obviously much slower than uh, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, the... Only fantasy options, I guess. Darnell Mooney's right on that fringe, but the Bears projected for 16 points. Yeah, that's not great for him. And then uh, David Montgomery, two drives. Khalil Herbert, the next drive. Maybe more checkdowns this time versus last time for David Montgomery, who I think is clearly better in passing situations, but uh, not pretty. Bears projected for under 16 points this week. Okay, Aaron Rodgers-led teams are 23-5. and Again, this is according to Lord Reeves, all-time against the Chicago Bears. But in week one, 2.5 air yards per completed pass. That was the lowest in the league for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Again, the narrative was, was the offense going to look like without Devontae Adams? I don't know if week one was really able to answer that because Al Lazard did not play. We get Al Lazard back. You can debate Al Lazard's talent all that you want to, but he has to be the focal point in this passing game. Has to be. Yeah, Yeah. and I think he will. He's going to play in the slot, so... Randall Cobb snaps are going to go away. They still need somebody down the field, though. Like you said, like the the air yards out was perfect. He didn't really trust Romeo Dub. There's a couple times where I thought Romeo Dubs could have worked his way against zone coverage, and Aaron Rodgers looked frustrated. But you remember after this those. last year? Like Aaron Rodgers doesn't. If he doesn't trust you, he's not going to look for you because, like, right. the when the playoff loss when mm-hmm. Devontae Adams was triple covered and MVS mm-hmm. or Alan Lazard was wide open, and he yeah. just didn't didn't, didn't want to hit him done. in that situation, right? Yeah, so I have I have like legit concerns with the Packers offense. Uh, David Wachtiari didn't play last time. We'll see if he goes this week. Uh, one of their guards is in concussion protocol. Elton Jenkins limited all week. We'll see if he's out there. Um, but I think you said it perfectly. If, if we're hoping Alan Lazard is going to save the day, maybe 
maybe we should scale back a real person who is saving the day is aj Dillon. so yeah i agree I mean, AJ Dillon can just have a massive, massive season. You've already flipped it. You're already ranking AJ Dillon ahead of, of Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think they will get scheme touches to Aaron Jones. There were some Same. quotes after that they're like, we just didn't get him the ball enough, which is surprising because they were trailing the entire time. But so I'm expecting more scheme touches uh, for Aaron Jones to kind of even that thing out. Um, I think both of them are RB2s, neither of them are RB1s yet. So people tuning in right now, if you've made it far in this video, right before the Sunday night football game, me, Hayden, John Daigle, go live to recap all of Sunday's contests. You all love the show. It's our instant reaction show. Uh, we can't wait to do it again this year. Daigsy brings some fire takes. And it was electric last week. Again, we're excited for you all to tune in or check it out on Monday morning if you want to as well. Okay. Two Monday night contests this weekend. They're decent. The first one, the Tennessee Titans at the Buffalo Bills, uh, 49 total. But the Bills are favored by 10 points here. And it just makes total sense after that Thursday night slobber knocker. Um, Ken Dorsey, man, was calling mm-hmm. the hell out of that contest. Josh Allen, when you look back on week one, him and Patrick Mahomes had the best quarterback performances. And basically, questions were answered. We still have other questions ahead, as in like the slot percentages between Isaiah McKenzie and Jameson Crowder. And then if Dawson Knox is going to be kept in as a blocker as much as he was last week. But other than that, I would rather bank on the upside that comes with playing and being attached to Josh Allen versus a lot of these other conundrums that we have with bad teams. Offenses facing the Titans last year, neutral situations chose to pass the ball at the second highest rate that led to the second most wide receiver fantasy points allowed. So get it ready, Josh. Gabe Davis, the backup Benji of the week of T Higgins uh, is can't make it with his concussion. I think that he set up for a big, big game uh, against the Titans corners who aren't very good. I'm rich. A hundred yards for Let's Gabe Davis. Let's do it. hundred percent of the snaps. I think that the matchup's good. The bills are projected for the most points of the week. Uh, but Hayden, he doesn't earn targets. Well, wait till you're not going to be uh, playing cover two and quarters coverage the entire game. And we're going to get Gabe Davis to be cooking. <laughs> hey, big play specialists are pretty good with a big game hunting quarterback as well. Um, I'm going back and playing Dawson Knox in this environment. I will say, like, this game last season, Titans a bit of a different team, but they won 34 to 31. Derrick Henry had 143 rushing yards and three scores, but also attached to him was A.J. Brown with 91 yards, mm-hmm. Julio Jones with 59 yards. Uh, this Bills front four and how they generated so much pressure was truly nuts, as we outlined with that Matthew Stafford com- conversation. Uh Another element to this, though, Mike Vrabel is 2-0 when the Titans are 10-point underdogs. Like, 2-0 straight up. Who cares? Straight up. They're not, beating the, they're not beating the Bills. No, they're not at all. And I'm so nervous of who even Robert Woods can be with the consistency in a bad passing offense week in and week out. Because he was probably drafted as, what, like the wide receiver 38, wide receiver 42. Yeah. And then his average depth of target was a bit deeper for someone that can be like a volume sponge in an offense like this, I thought, in week one. Well, they, they're in a rotation. And after the game, uh, they asked Vrabel about it. And he said that they just want to keep the rotation going. Uh, Robert Woods, 77% routes. Kyle Phillips as a slot player, 64% routes. He's going to be the garbage time king. Uh, I thought he actually played pretty pretty well for like full PPR, really deep leagues. Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Traylon Burks, they're both playing on the perimeter, both vertical options. To me, when I was looking at it, Traylon Burks was actually like running like actual vertical routes. 
Nick Westbrook and Keenan more in breaking routes, kind of different feels and flavors for that same position, but nonetheless, both playing kind of that X role, Robert Woods, flanker, Kyle Phillips, slot only expect them to keep rotating. And if you're rotating in an offense projected for 19 points, best to leave them on the bench. And that first big play for Traylon Burks, they kind of stacked him in a bunch. So he got mm-hmm. that free release as well. And it was that crossing route over the middle of the field. Uh, now you're going from the Titans facing the Giants defense in week one to the Without Buffalo Bills defense yeah. in right. week two. Uh, it's going to hit a bit differently. So like we can have some optimism for Traylon, I think, and Derrick Henry and so on and so forth. But like, man, Traylon's going to have to battle this week after what happened to Allen Robinson and everyone else last week. And again, like the six round corner was playing really, really well for the bills last week. I'm curious if they're going to stay in that too high coverage against the Titans who historically, you're not going to play that too often, but we'll, we'll see if they just say we got guys that can tackle. Well, let's just do it. I mean, we do, they've got dudes in Jordan Phillips up front, a bunch of them. Um, what a team, what a team. Very good. Very good. Okay. We'll close it out. Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, 50 and a half total. We crossed it with Philly two point favorites here. This is going to be a good one. I think this was at like 830. The first one's at 715. Um, This features the two wide receivers with the highest market share of air yards in week one, AJ Brown and Justin Jefferson. It's like picking our favorite between the two, but let's start with the Philadelphia offense. Okay. Um, I did not think that Jalen Hurts had a perfect game, even close to it. I thought he made a bunch of mistakes. And in fact, some of the same tendencies that we saw last season popped up again this year. Namely, he's so much more comfortable climbing the pocket and escaping to the right. And whenever he has to escape to the left, there's some pretty big issues. That's Russell Wilson, too. Yes. And this Vikings defense, you know, while it's still Patrick Peterson and some slower players in the back half, Darius Smith and Danell Hunter and some of the other players they have up front and at linebacker, they can fly around. I'm really excited for this matchup. The Vikings are good. You know, like I, I don't have many concerns with their offense at all. I thought uh, O'Connell called a good game last week, but the big difference this year for the Vikings is this front seven, you know, like Zadarius Smith, uh, Daniel Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson. You obviously, obviously they got some of the same pieces in the back end. Pat Pete's no good. The cornerback's not very good, but outside of that, this offense is pretty pretty loaded here i think that this whoever wins this game i think a lot of people are going to start falling in love with with these teams these are kind of like the mediocre teams that have a chance to be like legit uh nfc contenders and i'm i'm very excited things to be a very even game okay so jalen hurts missed i think like a four verts touchdown to aj brown earlier in the contest and then yes they really got aj brown going on those crossing routes over the middle of the field i think a lot of people are going to wonder both in dynasty in redraft whatever uh can I start Devontae Smith? Um, I think he will be this week. This is this week's uh, squeaky wheel. Make your pitch. Hayden Winks. Uh, I love people who tweet at me who like are hyper-focused on their own teams and follow all their beat writers. Not necessarily Bo Wolf. I can't really care for him. Uh, but Zach Berman is you know fantastic. Anyways, after that contest, when Devontae Smith basically got shut out, Jeffrey Kuda had an awesome performance. It seemed like the, the timing and connection with Jalen Hurts was all over the place, like hitting him in the helmet at one time. Just the Mm -hmm. timing was off. Apparently Sirianni, Jalen Hurts all got out there and said that we have to get Devontae more involved. I will add, they tried to do that in the first series last week. He had two targets, I believe, in the first first series. Right. 
I bet we see three first quarter catches for Devontae Smith in this contest. That's my stance. Yeah, I'm just a little worried that his role is just going to be too glued to the sidelines. It's very hard to to hit pay dirt there. I'm also going to be tracking, obviously, the neutral pass rates for the Eagles. We talked about this plenty. Uh, last year, they started the season up in like the 60s, ended the seasons down in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Last week, they started 54% neutral pass rates, kind of in between both of them. Um, we'll see what happens this week. Obviously, that'll be a huge storyline, but I think both of these teams are good, and I think both of these teams are going to be uh, – playoff teams um i think the vikings if the vikings are going to rush the passer and they have justin jefferson that's a, that's not a bad c- combination okay let's talk about the vikings offense then i gotta get out of here because uh aston villa is about to kick off one big question that we had for the vikings was the usage in justin jefferson we know the numbers were ridiculous yeah. the concepts that kevin o'connell drew up to disrupt and break the packers secondary were awesome but most importantly not necessarily from the alignment standpoint we got from jj um, he saw 24% of his targets against a linebacker or safety in primary coverage in week one. That, that was last year. Sorry. In week one this season, that was up to 60%. 60% compared to 24% in advantageous matchups. So much of that was small little motions, just like you see yeah. from Cooper Cup, to get in stacked box or stacked formations, bunch set, so on and so forth. And those targets resulted in five receptions, 148 yards, and two touchdowns. Like, holy cow. So good. It's just gonna. Be, I mean, every every he can like break the receiving record this year. I wouldn't be surprised. I, we're we're getting to those levels. The other part of this is if he has such a massive game, how much is left on the bone for Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne because of their dominance last week? Uh, we didn't really have to get any passing stuff and enough mm-hmm. snaps, enough targets for either one of them. Um, if the volume's not there, obviously that hurts KJ Osborne more and more. But yeah. I felt like Adam Thielen looked solid enough for what we saw from him. The big note, he was in for 100% of the two wide receiver set snaps. So we, he's still ahead of KJ Osborne straight up. Um, great matchup, wide receivers versus corners. Uh, the Eagles right. secondary is awesome. Final note, there's a lot of questions about this Vikings guard and center combination. It feels mm-hmm. like there's been questions about Garrett Bradbury for the last three years. Uh, I know their starting left guard. I think he came from LSU, had a pretty rough day in the opener. Um, now you get Jordan Davis, who was dominant in like the 14 carries he faced last week. Yes. Um, there are some crazy numbers, like 14 carries without him on the field. De- DeAndre Swift got 140 yards. The 14 carries that Jordan Davis was on the field. The Lions only got 41 yards. Yeah. I mean, nuts. Yeah. Nuts stuff. And it's not just like, hey, I'm going to stick here in two-gap and you can't get by me, Jordan Davis, let's remember, ludicrously athletic. Yeah. And so he's just going to push Garrett Bradbury, who's like a 290-pound center, three yards deep in the backfield and disrupt everything. Mm-hmm. So it can be one. And it's not just him, man. It's Fletcher Cox. It's Jahar, Javon Hargrave. It's Milton Williams. It's that other dude from USC, apparently, who calls the pick six for Jared Goff. I don't mean to keep putting everything back and centering it on offensive line and defensive line matchups, but the Eagles might have a real defensive line advantage here. Yeah. Uh, an offense. They were one of two teams that didn't have a blown block per, per SIS Eagles and the Falcons. Wild. Pretty wild. Okay. Is that it? Did we cover? That's all I got. That's all okay. I got. The, go back. Go to the fantasy usage model show. That shows elite professional. That one's that one's elite. Uh, what a show. Fridays might be like this. From here on out, we appreciate you all tuning in. It's been so cool to see you answering each other's questions like Bryce and Giselle, the Doe, Scampers is always here. 
Stephen, there's another Bryce, there's a James, there's a Grant. Again, we'll be back on Sunday morning, 1030 Eastern, taking your voicemails. That link is in the description down below. Send it in less than 60 seconds. You can do it on your phone. And uh, we really enjoyed those. We got some from like Brazil and England and Christopher Walken and so on and so forth. So uh, we're going to enjoy those this week. Again, go and check out Hayden's column and the rest of our shows too. Up the Villa in 20 minutes. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.